Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renate Bobrun. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you are a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation. If you are a returning listener, I'd like to welcome you back to this, what I like to call, the conversation that never ends. I think that's what I'm going to coin it, maybe. Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun where the conversation never ends. Maybe we'll do something like that. I don't know. Hmm, sounds kind of good. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, uh, we are now in our, what episode is this now? We are now in our, this is our 57th episode. Wow. Here we are on the cusp of Christmas. I'm doing several episodes before the holidays, before the actual Christmas, you know, holiday begins, uh, whatever, uh, because, I've said it before that I uh, feel that um, it's very important for us to get a lot of things hatched out, or hashed out and out of the way uh, during this season where uh, many of us are going to be on breaks you know, from jobs, from school, from both. And we're going to be around our family. And um, maybe it's been some family members that we haven't been in contact with for a while. And have some opposing views from us. And we've had these discussions over the last several episodes. So, like I said, I've been doing these episodes. I'm going to be doing several in the next, I want to say, six, seven, eight days. I probably will do one a day. And I'll just keep publishing them. And maybe it won't get as much viewership as or listenership as if I took my time and, and, and did one. And, and allowed one to ruminate for four, five, six days and then do another one. Um, like I, I dropped, uh, the family episode, I published it. And then not too long after, I think a, within a day, I published the hypocrisy of Ennis Cantor and Andrew Bogut episode. And I noticed the family episode didn't get a lot of listeners, didn't get anywhere near its average for a day or two, because within a day I did the hypocrisy of Ennis Cantor and Andrew Bogut. And that one is getting some traction <laughs> to say the least. Check those out if you don't mind. But, um, yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of things. Like I said, I usually, um, if you guys are um, first-time listeners, I like to title my episodes, and usually I just go off on a 45-minute to 60-minute tangent about a whole host of things regarding that title. And I try to bring things in full circle and metaphorically, analogically, etc., etc., allegorically, but... These days, we're focusing on what it's going to take for us to heal our fractured families in these 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 uh, divisive times. Many of our families haven't sat at the table since Obama got elected. That's facts, by the way. I'm speaking from people I know personally, friends of mine. It's been 13 years since they, they since they had Christmas dinner with their family. Kidding me over elections, really over selections, you know. Anyway, not, not who they selected as a mate, not who they selected as a friend, but who they checked a check mark at a voting booth. <laughs> Think about that. Anyway, I don't mean to demean people's, I'm not looking to diminish people's angst and pain and, 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 and things that are going on with my laughter, but part of me finds that absurd that we're going to let these choices get in the way of the people who we actually love and hold dear and value. But anyway, before we get started, <sighs> You guys know I've been journaling. 
I've been using the Chavez House, the journals from Chavez House. I've been using the Gratitude Journal. I hope you guys have been purchasing. I've actually noticed there's been an uptick in purchases. I don't know who that is. I don't know if it's because I've been mentioning it. I don't know if it's, I don't know, because I haven't been paying for advertising or doing things like that. But I, like I've told you guys before, I've been journaling and I've been using the Gratitude Journal. An Abundant Blessed Life by Lenore Batista, which can be found at ChavezHouse.com. That's Chavez with an S. Or you can go on uh, Amazon and type in Chavez House Publishing. Again, that's Chavez with an S. And you'll see all of these journals. You'll see the Titan Fit Journal for uh, training. You'll see the uh, Healthy Fit and Beautiful Journal for women. You'll see Training for My Best Life, another journal for women. If you're journaling your fitness uh, uh, adventure, for your daily fitness adventures, you can put that in there. But the journaling has been great. I can't even begin to tell you how important it's been. I mentioned it in another segment where I said it's moved my life in the in the right direction by a centimeter. And in life, all you want to do is be moving in a positive direction, the direction you choose. If you have a direction that you want to go into, I want that for you. I want for you what you want for you, you know. So it's helped. I, I write every day, every day. I'm on my. 40, what, 46th day today, 47th. I'm not entirely sure. It's been awesome. Um, I can't recommend it enough. And if you're on that site and you see notebooks you like, we have the Paris notebook or the American flag notebook, or we have the, the a bunch of beautiful cultural notebooks, dance notebooks. If you're taking dance or yoga, we have journals for that as well. I mean, I'm just, uh, it feels good to be in a space where I want to rewrite the script that was given. I want to write my own script. I want to write the story of how I want this life to go. Like I said, there have been a lot of external factors. We all can attest to that, right? You, I, everyone listening, everyone you know that's listening, everyone you know. Everyone I know and everyone you know can attest that we have had certain externalities that have been out of our control. What I would like to call unprecedented externalities in our short lifetimes. In my short life, this is unprecedented what we've been going through for the last close to two years or so, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, this is my way of taking the reins, so to speak. There's a lot to talk about. I have a lot of things floating around in my head, but I wanted to talk to you guys about something. First off, I, went, I had my annual physical, had it a week ago. And uh, everything is pretty normal. Nothing to just nothing to to complain about or nothing, nothing, nothing of concern. Uh, so far, um, I thought that my physical was a bit, I don't know, it seemed a bit Spartan to me. I thought more could have been done. When I say this to my fiance, she rolls her eyes like, June, this is how they do things now. I kind of felt as if I wanted a little bit, you know, you know, what happened to the little hammer thing they use when they tap your knee, you know, check your reflexes or, you know, yeah, you know, I didn't get all that. Got my blood work done, checked my blood pressure was normal. It was actually better than normal. Checked all this other stuff. And but it was like, what happened to all the other stuff? Like checking inside of my ear. You know, I didn't get, I walked out of there feeling as if I was going to my car and I'm going, wait, something's missing. 
And it wasn't until I drove away, I said, wait, man didn't check my ear. He didn't check my eyes. He didn't do that. Remember that popsicle stick thing they used to do? And check to see if you have spots on your tongue, inflammation of your tonsils. I still have my tonsils, never had a tonsillectomy. Like, you know, am I being, a, am I being juvenile? Am I, am I, am I just hearkening back to my, my, um, physicals back when I was 12? Is that what's happening? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I've been, to, I've had a handful of physicals as an adult. And I think th I, there was more done then. I don't know. And this doctor seemed pretty cool. I mean, he was a cool, nice guy, but I didn't do anything. I still had my jacket on. <laughs> I didn't even take my jacket off. I had a jacket on. I didn't take my jacket off. So I'm just saying, can you have a physical without actually having taken off your jacket? I didn't take my jacket off until I, they sent me to get my blood work done in another part of the, the, the doctor's office. And I took my jacket off, had a T-shirt on under it. Boom, they took my blood. And left. But I, the doctor, I didn't take my jacket off. The stethoscope, he went through the jacket, boom, check, <sighs> breathe, heartbeat, blah, 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 check my lungs real quick. That was it. That was it. I found it to be somewhat cursory. Is that me? Am I being crazy? If I am, tell me. If, I'm, if, if, if there was something left to be desired, let me know as well. You guys know you can reach me. Whose world is this? 2021 on Instagram. Also, my cash app is available. Dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U. Uh, and if you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, definitely subscribe and rate and review. I would really appreciate if you guys, I, I've had an uptick in reviews. I appreciate that. Whoever sent, whoever wrote those reviews. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you a lot. I really appreciate it. If you're listening on Spotify or other networks, definitely follow, definitely follow it. It helps. It helps. We're growing the show organically one listener at a time. We're not using a bunch of marketing dollars and this, that, and the third to try to convince people. We're not doing that dot 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 yet for now i want to see what it feels like to just have the people i know listen and share and subscribe to see what that's like to see what it is as opposed to just pouring money into something i would like to see so i'm glad i started this in february and i'm thinking maybe february 12 months from now i will start the other thing where you start adding more of a uh start adding more of a presence to people you know, way, way, way outside of the realm of my, uh, what would you call it, um, inner circle or outer circle? Because I think word of mouth has spread somewhat because I'm getting more listeners. Like I said last episode, there's an uptick in the Netherlands. There's an uptick in Italy and France where I have friends and family. I have a couple of friends of mine out in Italy, a couple of friends of mine out in the Netherlands, and I think they've been sharing it because there's been an uptick. But because I've also been speaking about topics, I feel that maybe resonate with them as well. I've been speaking about employee empowerment and things of that nature. And I've mentioned sort of the European models at times as far as unionized labor and things like that. And I think that may have had something to do with it. I don't know. It's the reason why we call this show Whose World Is This? I've been around. I've traveled. I've read. I have friends from all over. I'm a student of this human experiment and experience that we're in. I'm constantly learning from it. So, yeah. Another thing I did, I went to the dentist. Now, can someone out there explain to me, and I really, and this is not a rhetorical question, and I'm not being facetious, why is it that dental procedures are the same amount as a down payment on a small car? I mean, the dentist gave me nothing, a doomsday report on the state of affairs in my mouth. 
things you got to do this you got to do that you got to do this and you know what they weren't selling me because it's true there's certain things that i've neglected but i didn't neglect them out of being neglectful they went neglected because of the prohibitive cost attached to dental care my god i had some things i had to do in 2019 in regards to you know some dental work i got a couple of things done but there were a lot of other things going on I was taking care of family members that were that were very sick and needed me. So I put me on hold, obviously, f for them. And um, then 2020 came and I was in the middle of a move and we were in the middle of these shutdowns and things like that. So a lot of transition. So the last thing I thought about was dental care because I didn't have any pain. And so oftentimes once you get pain in your mouth, that's when it's like, up, oh, it's a wrap for you. Right. But because I didn't have any pain, I put it on hold, even though I knew I need needed these things done. I understand how important dental work is. But I got to ask, this doc told me I needed to get a couple of things done and they're pretty routine. No root canals, you know, no invasive surgeries. Meanwhile, it's like three, four thousand dollars. And this guy wasn't some sort of you know, dentist to the stars, where all of a sudden I'm going to have those big Shannon Sharp or Denzel Washington teeth. It's not, it's, not, it's not what we're talking about. I wasn't getting porcelain veneers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, just dental work, you know, deep the deep cleaning and the this and the that and whatever, whatever. And I said, well, wait, wait. Then the insurance is going to, maybe they said the insurance will cover a couple of grand, uh, maybe a grand here. But I'm looking at a $3,500 out-of-pocket price tag with all the other things I have to take care of. And I'm saying to myself, and I said to my dental hygienist, um, why isn't insurance covering more of this? And she was like, you're preaching to the choir. She was very sweet, by the way, very cool. But when I left, I was like, I might have been asking the wrong question. The question could be, I'd like to know the real cost of dental work. How much of this is the real cost? How much of it is a markup, if any? Or, or, or is the cost of dental care actually more prohibitive and this is just as low as it can go? Because I don't know. I know it's expensive for the average or even the most above average salaries to actually pay a lot of this out of pocket. It's so much more expensive than some other things I've had done that had nothing to do with my teeth. So it's like, wait a minute, wait, how is it my, t is it me? I just, I just need answers. I need answers because fortunately for me, I haven't had to go under the knives and I haven't had any ailments that have required any sort of um, continuous health care. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, I have a family member that is in that process right now that needs continuous 24 hour health care. It is the most difficult thing I've ever had to witness in my short life and um i hope to not have to go through that but you know as we get older i'm not at nowhere near that point but we have to think about it from a from the human evolutionary perspective we're living longer lives you know what that means and the cost of health care goes up exponentially once you reach a certain age you reach your 60s or whatever and all of a sudden now you're paying for aches and pains and things are breaking down and you got to get this replaced, hip replaced. All of these things start breaking. And the longer you live, the more expensive it is to take care of you as a person, even though you don't need that much as far as living. 
you could live in a little tiny condo in a little tiny retirement community and you're fine with your little car you'll take a cruise and you're 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 all right you don't have any kids to raise so your cost of living as far as that your 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 daily necessities your food clothing and shelter could be cheap but then food clothing shelter and then medical costs which can trump all of those things combined so that's why I'm telling everybody out there, if you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, you're in your 40s, 50s, take, take advantage of these doctors. If you have dental, if you have insurance, go. If you don't have insurance, get yourself to these little urgent cares and stuff like that. And if you, they have a little special, now you have a bunch of urgent cares all over the country. I don't know where you live if they have them, if you're in the United, but, but go, go, get a checkup. That's what I was doing. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so... Oftentimes, I don't get medical insurance. I don't. I have, I have to provide my own medical insurance for myself. There is no employer to provide it for me. I am my employer. So what I would do is I would go to urgent care. I'd come up with some money. I'd be okay. I'm. I want all the blood work done. I'd get all the blood work done from one doctor, and then I would probably go to a primary and go, "Hey, check out my my blood work. What do you think?" And it was it worked for me. And that's how I kept m me on par in the midst of not having health insurance. Health insurance, um, not having health insurance can be an impediment. Yes, it's an obstacle, but don't let it be a brick wall that you can't get over. There are ways around it. Um, there's this thing called lifeline screening that was available in Florida. I don't know who funds it. I think churches fund it. And from time to time, they'll be in a city or a church near you. And you can get a lot of work done. You can get your cardiac, your heart checked out, your lungs. I was going to get into bodybuilding. I was going to do a bodybuilding competition a couple of years ago. And I got a lot of my stuff checked out just to make sure that my, and my trainer at the time wanted to see my levels. So he wanted to check out all of my you know, adrenals and this and that. And he wanted to just see where I was. And I got a lot of work done and I got it done for really cheap between lifeline screening and urgent cares and things like that. I got it done. Um, it's challenging because you don't have a primary per se, but at least you have the information. Your blood work says a lot about you. But the expressness of our healthcare system where I, I don't feel as if the whole person is being taken care of or, or looked at. I, I feel there's a lack of a holistic approach. You know, this doctor sees, a, you know, this doctor has to see a lot of people for them to make money. And then the insurance company is looking for ways not to provide service. Your insurance company is not looking to ensure that you are healthy. That's not their job. Their job is to spend the least amount of money while they collect their premiums monthly. So they're fighting and wrestling with the doctor like, oh, don't recommend this. And doctors, there are certain doctors out there that get incentivized for the care they don't provide, that they don't bill the insurance company. Yeah, this is true. I know a lot of doctors, and I know this person. I know a lot of doctors personally. I used to hang out with them in Boca and Palm Beach and things like that, and I used to hear the stories. And, and you know, the, a drunk mind reveals what a sober mind conceals. So you get a couple of Kahluas in these guys, and, you know, they're talking crazy, and I'm listening to this going, what a racket our system is. But anyway. I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I would like to know why is the cost of our dental care? Is it is it as expensive as it seems or is it actually more expensive? And this is the this is the price actually being suppressed to try to meet what the market can actually 
um, um, absorb. Is that what it is? Or is this just a serious, ridiculous markup? Because our dental health is extremely important to our overall health, man. You can get a lot, a lot of diseases start in the mouth and start from the neglect of your mouth. And then it seeps down into other areas of your body, into your brain. Remember, this is in your head. All of this is going on, by the way. Okay. So, but I want to take care of all of this stuff, you know, and it's like, you'll do. And then the payment plans, you know, you know, Hey, I'm able to finance a house, right? I'm able to finance a car. I'm able to finance almost everything. What's up with the payment plans, man? At least say, you know what? Um, Pay for half up front and we'll work out the rest. Let's work it out. Let's, let's work it out. Most people are good for it. Most people are going to pay their bills. This world would not run if people didn't actually pay their bills. So most people will. Yes, you're going to take a loss. There are certain people that aren't going to pay it, have no intention to pay it. There are others who are going to have some sort of financial event or an event in their lives that precludes them from paying. But most people, you're going to have about an 80% payment rate, I'm pretty sure. And if that's the case, then you're doing all right. So payment plans are all over the place. They don't really want to. Then you got to go through some care credit financing. And I'm like, yo, stop pulling my credit. I'm going to use my probably going to use my business credit to pay. I don't. It's just crazy to me. Pardon me, guys. It's crazy how much this stuff costs. It almost costs less for me to travel to Central America, Costa Rica or, or Colombia, where they have great doctors, fantastic doctors that were trained in the States, trained out there, and they opened up practices back there. It's actually cheaper for me to fly to a foreign country, stay in that foreign country with, with lodging and food and expenses, and get my medical treatment, and it still would probably be less than actually just getting the treatment here. And it would be the same quality. Only difference is your follow-up visit is would be a bit um, inconvenient, considering if you have to go to Columbia for your dental care, you know you better be from there. You better be. You better plan on visiting at least twice that same year, right? But um, we'll see, man. I, I know I've been going on for a while about it, but this is important to all of us out there. A lot of us out there, some people out there. Remember, Better.com just fired 900 people on a Zoom call last week. Those people. Yeah, they're going to have their medical insurance for the next three months. They only got one month severance. They have medical insurance for the next three months. And after that, it's good luck. After that, it's uh-oh. So these things are important. This is our health. You know, and my friends out there that are in Netherlands and in France and, and Italy that are listening and a couple of my friends from um, Berlin, they, don't, they can't relate. They're like, wait, what? You guys have to pay for all of that? Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. But I digress. Um, the dentist, he was a good guy. My dental hygienist, she was cool. And they had all types of Batman technology in there. I saw my whole skull. I'm not a very handsome skull. I think I have a pretty nice face as a human being. But then I saw my whole skull and I was just, I was a little freaked out. And But I saw everything. They showed me everything, every little thing. And they had the highlighter and the PowerPoint presentation of my face. It was a little awkward. I'm like, that's me, my skeletal face. And they did a panoramic view of my whole head. And just to make sure I didn't have any nasal or, or dental cancers or whatever, and oral cancer. I was like, this is, 
Wow. So, yeah, on that front, I'm okay, but I do need some work done, and the work is looking like it's going to cost me at least the, 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 the elementary things, the things that are prioritized. It's going to be like three, four thousand dollars. Three, four thousand, like four, four grand? <sighs> I don't know. Whatever, man. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out next year. Next year. So what are we going to talk about today? We talked about last uh, episode, we were speaking about the hypocrisy of Ennis Cantor and uh, and uh, um, uh, Andrew Bogan. And then another episode I did was come and get some, <laughs> which is, uh, that's episode 56. Actually, this is episode 57. And I was just kind of speaking to a lot of things that were going on pertaining to episode 55. So today I'm still going to keep it in the side of family because a friend of mine brought something else up because that Ennis Cantor episode is bringing up a lot of a uh, lot of a uh, dialogue between me and friends of mine. Uh, and uh, one friend pointed out to me that about my climate change episode, he said, didn't I do the same thing to the climate change people that Ennis and Andrew did to LeBron? And what do they mean by that? I would like everyone to check out that episode that I did on climate change. I'm trying to remember what episode. Actually, let me scroll right now. Let me find it. Where am I? Let me look for that episode right now. What episode would that be? Uh, let me, what do you think? November, was that Change Minds? Change Minds Before Climate. Okay, that would be episodes 49 and 50, November 4th. 15th and November 17th, episodes 40, 49 and 50, where I speak about changing minds before climate. Um, and that wasn't a shot. In, and so I had to kind of explain the difference. Ennis Cantor and Andrew Bogut are taking shots at LeBron James's activism, just to give a brief overview. They're, they're, they're calling him a sellout, <clears throat> even though all these, and he, this is, He's a social justice warrior, Mr. LeBron. He's out there on Black Lives. He's Trayvon Martin. He's had the T-shirts. He's opening up million-dollar schools for young kids, scholarships galore. I mean, he's fundamentally changing his hometown of Akron, Ohio. It's never going to be the same again. Never. But meanwhile, somehow, someway, he's an Anglo-European-Australian uh, named Andrew Bogut, who's in the United States on a tourist visa, on a work visa, and Ennis Cantor is also on a work visa. These aren't even Americans trying to speak about the plight and the, the level of activism or the way that LeBron James, a, a black American, is deciding to speak about the issues in America. They're mad he's not speaking about things going on in China and the, that, this, that, and the third. Okay, no problem. So I spoke about that. So... When I did my climate change, change minds before climate, it was because there was the uh, the climate change discussions that were going on all over Europe and Scotland and all the, the countries were getting together and speaking about what they needed to do for climate. And I wasn't taking a shot at them at all. What I was saying is it's difficult for me to get to make climate change a priority when I'm noticing that human nature hasn't changed you understand mother nature and what mother nature and how we abuse mother nature is re a reflection of how human nature treats each other our inhumane treatment of each other is the reason why 
our mother nature is going through what she is going through. If we can allow children to be human trafficked, if we can allow the levels of violence that occur, poverty is violence to a degree. Yes, it is. If we can allow the level of abuse that occurs, children, like I said, I always use the word, I always use children as an example because if we can let children be abused, then what are we talking about? Then, then some clim climactic abstraction, something as abstract as climate change and weather. Hey, if you live in New York, you deal with climate change, right? You get snow. That's climate change. Because yesterday it wasn't snowing. Today it's snowing. So if I wanted to be facetious or capricious, I would say that, right? If I wanted to just be a smart aleck, I would say that. You go through four or five, so you go through four seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall. You go to one part of the country, it's this hot. This part of the country is not this part of the country has tornadoes the other one has hurricanes so the average human being is going to say okay the data the data the data then you have the climate change deniers that are saying well this this has happened in the 1900s or the 1800s or the 1700s so you have scientists versus scientists okay okay you have the climate change deniers you have the climate change supporters on this side believers but one thing we all cannot deny that children should not be abused how about that? Children should not be trafficked and sold into any kind of slavery. How about that? Yet it is in the millions. Okay. In the millions, human beings are trafficked all throughout. We have border crises all over, refugee crises all over, right on our border right now, U.S. border, Mexico, U.S. border right now. Tens of thousands of Haitians, thousands of Central Americans, Nicaraguans, Hondurans, Guatemalans, everyone out there trying to escape the situation that they came from looking for a better life. And they are now stuck in nationalistic limbo. They are non-state actors. They go back to their homes. They don't even have homes to go back to some of them. Some of them are escaping gang violences that, and, and, and failed governments that no one can help them. If the police is around, they're corrupt. That's if there is police, if there is government. You have places right now in Central and South America and in parts of Mexico where the cartels and the drug dealers and the gangsters are more powerful, more equipped, have more money and more guns than the governments. Okay? And the people are under siege. A worker, a factory worker, a student, a family, a homemaker, farmer, everyone is under siege. And they're just going, I just want to be safe. That's it. This is what's going on. And every day it goes on, every minute of every single day, within hours of where you are right now. Many of you can drive to where this is going on. If you are living in the contiguous United States, you can drive to these areas. No need to take a plane. You can go there right now, get into your car. No need to take a test. No need to get jabbed. No need to get nasally invaded. Nothing. You can just drive and go see for yourself what's going on. But yet, you know, it's we go along. We get stuck in traffic. We're going to text. We're going to like this post. We're going to move on. We're going to hear about it and move on. So. My assertion was we're not going to change the climate until we change our minds. You change minds before climate. You have to change how we treat each other. We have to look at each other as valuable as we see ourselves 
And then we can start to look at the earth as not as some sort of abstraction that's just going to be there all the time. It's just changing. Mother nature is just this thing. Just eh, It's here. Birds, bees, the trees and the breeze, whatever. So when I explain that to a friend of mine, they, that's when they're like, OK, I, they totally see the difference. So and 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 I actually wanted to use that girl. What's her name? Greta Thunberg Thunberg as an, uh, I think she's the sweetest Swedish environmental ac activist who speaks so very eloquently about how, you know, the industrialists have all of this information about uh, all the industrialists in America, the industrialists in the central other parts of the world, in Asia, everywhere else uh, in, the, in Europe how they know the information, how they know that they're using these materials, that, that, they're, that they're building their cities on an unsustainable model, and they still continue to do so, even though there are alternatives out there. And they have the means, the resources, everything to do it, and they choose not to. She's eloquently put it. If, you know, I'm not going, I'm not saying to her, oh, she's a sellout, because, yeah, she's speaking about hugging the birds, bees, and the trees, but what about the babies? I'm not going. So that's how ridiculous it would be for me to admonish or diminish what she's doing and her impact trying to improve the world in something that she's passionate about. Guess what? We don't get to choose oftentimes what we're passionate about. It's a combination of how we've been nurtured, our, our nature, a culmination of things, infinite, that somehow, some way, this particular topic just resonates with us and, and, and sets us on fire for it. And that's what happens with a lot of environmentalists, a lot of people who are there are people who are strictly about human trafficking. They don't know about nuclear proliferation. They don't know about anything. This is what I do. There are people who strictly they hug the trees. I they hug a tree. If there is a bobcat coming or a tree. Nope, you're not taking this tree. You're going to take me out and they will die for that tree. You look at them and you, you may say something derisive and just call them a tree hugger as if that's a derisive term. Good for you. But without these trees, we're done. We're finished, okay? Just so you know, without the oxygen they provide, we're finished. But, okay, but, but I, don't de I don't deride her. I don't say, hey, well, you just stuck on this climate change thing, what you need to be saying. No, 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 no. So what Ennis Cantor and, and Andrew Bogut are doing is, an, is disingenuous to say the least. Like, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. But to say, oh, well, you're not speaking about the thing I want you to speak about. That's so funny, this a la carte outrage that occurs, you know, so you get you're going to choose what this person gets to be outraged about. OK, good luck. Good luck with that, because I can do that, too. I notice how outraged people are about, oh, such and such didn't say anything about China. But, you know, no, no one cares about where their blood diamonds come from. When you go to your jeweler to pick up a gift for your significant other or jewelry for yourself or, or an anniversary or for a family member or loved one friend, do you say, is this a conflict diamond? No. Do you care that some child's arm was left behind so you can get that diamond in your ring and your on your bracelet? No. You spend less time caring about that than you do when you go to the supermarket. You want to make sure things are organic. I want to make sure this thing that's going into my body is organic. I want to make sure this strawberry is organic. Did you think about the strawberry picker and what they're going through or the orange picker? And the, and the working conditions that they have to endure. Does that factor in? No. No. All you know is this is a good deal today or it's not. It's organic or it's not. Right? It's ripe or it's not. Right? 
So it's funny. So I sit around and I notice this a la carte outrage where we pick and choose what we want to be angry about depending on our own self-centered uh, 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 agenda. Hmm? So that's why I had to bring that up about I, I, I'm going to bring bring up the Ennis Cantors and the this and the Andrew Bogut's of the world and this, that and the third. But I just wanted you. I'm still going to be speaking about. Family and how this all circles into you cannot pick and choose how your family and friends feel about an issue and they cannot pick and choose for you. They are outraged about a particular thing. You may think that they're on the wrong side of history. Time will tell. They may think that you're on the wrong side of history. Time will tell. I'll never forget one of my favorite MCs, actually my favorite hip-hop artist of all time, who I consider to be the greatest hip-hop artist of all time. His name is Nas. Not to be confused with this new artist named Little Nas X. There's absolutely no similarities. This is Nas. He is a 30-year veteran of this hip-hop, this art, this industry. He's born and raised in Queens, New York. And he has a song, and the song is off of his album, his third studio album titled I Am. And the name of the song is called Nas Is Like. I think it was his second single, maybe first or second single off that album. And the last line of that song is, enough respect to you, even if you wish me the opposite, sooner or later we'll all see who the prophet is. Always used to love that line. And I thought that line was awesome because sooner or later we're all going to figure out who was right and who was wrong. Sooner or later we'll all see, you know? So in the, in, right now it's the conversation. But you see, it's an argument, you know, it can be debatable, it can be disputable. It's not undisputable yet, right? But, or indisputable, which one is it? But sooner or later, we're going to figure it out. So with all the things, I'm bringing it full circle, whether it's Greta Thunberg, and I appreciate her contribution to especially the way she speaks, the passion with which she speaks. She's articulate, she's got her math, and she's got her data, and she's bringing it to these grown-ups, these boomers who've, who've brought us down this road, which I find to be a road that's inevitable. I can't blame any generation for where we are right now because, you know, we're not having Salem witch hunts, right? So it's progress of a sort, you know? So, you know, so blaming the boomers is interesting considering that, you know, we're probably living in one of the more safer times to be a black person in America or a woman in America or wherever else, right? Mm. Yeah, in any case, sorry about that. Drinking my lemon water. So yeah, <clears throat> you know, but actually it's one of the more dangerous times to be a black person in America considering the, the, the homicide rate. We can get back to that. But anyway, but if you're, cons you're not considered a heretic, right? You, you can't get sent to prison and hung at the town square in Massachusetts for, for, for witchcraft, right? Right now, you, you, there are Instagram pages where they're actual witches. She's like, hey, I'm a Wiccan, I'm a witch, I'm a whatever. Okay, great, awesome. You can do that now. So it's progress of a source. I'm not going to blame the boomers, but I really enjoy how Greta Thunberg, I think that's how I'm, I'm saying her name correctly. I love how she, um, <laughs> she brings the smoke and she has her facts in order. And I enjoy watching people out there speak about 
what they need to speak about without admonishing other people that are that are looking to push for positive changes as well. See, Greta Thunberg, she's got her sights set on the people that are creating, that are exacerbated, that created the climate change issue such as she sees it. And she's speaking about what they need to do to change it and why they're doing the absolute opposite. That's pointing, you're aiming your sights in the right direction. But, but she's not pointing it at other people that are, that are actually activists and, and, and speaking out and working towards social justice in other arenas. She's not saying, hey, how come you're not speaking about what I'm speaking about? That's ridiculous. So you, Ennis Cantor, you, you want to go fight for the Uyghurs in China? Let Le, then don't you can go do that. You want to highlight that, and that's your cause, celebre. Then do that, but you can't admonish, you know, LeBron for not speaking about the Uyghurs in China because he decides to speak about the Negroes in America. And Andrew Bogut, you need to spend more time about how you and your kind are treating the indigenous native Australians. Talk, leave what's going on here alone. You're back in Australia, enjoy yourself. Work on that. Don't, don't trouble yourself with what's going on in the NBA. You were here on a work visa, on a tourist visa. You made your money. You got to fly into the United States as a white millionaire, live in your ivory tower and speak about everybody else and what they're going through. Knock it off. Stop it. Some of us see you coming. And I'm hoping that, you know, I've, I've been making some friends. You know, the thing is, it's not about how many friends you have. It's about who you know. Um, the quality of the friends you have. I've been making some inroads over the last 36 hours in the entertainment arena, specifically for that episode. And I said it in that episode. I said, I'm, I'm more than happy to speak to any one of those two men and educate them, re-educate them if necessary. I don't think it's ignorance that led them down that road. I think it's their avarice that led them down that road, that arrogance and their entitlement that led them down that road. You understand? And if they want to have a conversation with a person like me, we can sign an NDA if they so choose, you know? And, you know, no one will ever have to know that we ever had a discussion, but things would need to be discussed because I want NBA players to hold those men accountable. I want the people that are actually being helped by LeBron who are, who, who are positively impacted directly from the moves and the things that he's doing to say, hey, lay off our dude, back up. Because if, if, if you're talking about him, we're gonna, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with us. So you, all of you out there who are big LeBron supporters and big social justice activist supporters as to what's going on in the United States need to be sending tweets out to Andrew Bogut and Ennis Cantor saying, listen, back off, man. If that's the cause that you believe in, good for you, happy, whoop-dee-doo. But that doesn't give you the right, it doesn't give you the privilege even to admonish or diminish anyone that's, that's speaking about issues that are close to them, that have them on fire. Like I said, we don't get to choose what we're on fire about. Oftentimes it chooses us. You know? So, yeah, something I wanted to discuss. So, while we're at the dinner table, understand you don't get to choose what your family members and friends and colleagues are on fire about. You know, I had a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. Um, he, we were speaking months ago about Cuba, and he didn't understand why his father and his uncle were such big fans of the Cuban Revolution. You know, and his father and his uncle were big in civil rights activism 
in the 60s and 70s. And he couldn't understand it because from from my friend's perspective, being of my generation, he doesn't know the Cuban Revolution in the same vein as they do. You know, he sees it as repressive and oppressive and suppressive. He doesn't understand how his father could be this act. He couldn't resolve. He thought it was the ultimate contradiction, dare I say hypocrisy on their part, where he said, I don't know how they could sit there and be fans of Fidel and be fans of this Cuban revolution as it's been framed. How can he be fans? And I said, this is why. And we had a long discussion over a couple of days, actually. The, I think the conversation went on for a couple of days. We stopped and we took it up the next day or two or three and spoke about how Fidel endeared himself with the revolutions that were going on in the United States and in the Caribbean and in parts of Africa and how it was directly in line with freedom struggles that were going on with brown people all over the Americas. And that's how he became endured. Endear, he, he became an endearing figure to come to the to go to New York City and in, instead of staying at the Waldorf Astoria, he's staying in Harlem and meeting with Malcolm X instead. It was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. It was like as if Black America felt as if we're being heard on a national and a global stage. Here's Fidel Castro. He's giving these these Anglo American oppressors hell, and he's coming to hang with us. And so when I was able to explain that, see, we don't get to choose what people are on fire about. It's based on how they were nurtured, their nature, the environment that they're coming up in. All these factors that are uh, th these, these infinite amount of factors the, and variables that lead to what makes us passionate about a thing. We don't get to choose that. We could try to understand it. You see, all of this ranting I'm doing, that's the, the key goal. We can try to understand where they come from. So I was able to articulate it to my friend in a way that he said, June, you just opened it up in a way. And, and regretfully, his father has since died. He had a very close relationship with his dad. I actually envy their relationship a great deal. It was awesome the way he speaks about his dad in such reverential tones. And many of the things that my friend is doing right now in his life, it's almost as if he's carrying on a legacy and taking it to the next level what his father started, which personally I just find inspiring. And, and I don't get to tell my friend that often, but he's probably listening. He's going to listen to this. I find him extremely inspiring. You know what I mean? Um, he, is, he is one of my inspirations, you know, when I think about a lot of the things that he's doing and, and what his motivations are, you know, the method to his, his madness, right? But um, he told me, he said, yo, June, um, thank you for that. He said, because... Maybe they weren't able to articulate it to me the way you did, but you just gave me a, a, a just a step-by-step -step, uh, history of, of how one, based on where they lived, how they lived, the time and era that they lived in, and what they had to endure and experience, how he, now he understood. He understood. And I told him that 30 plus year gap between when he was born or 40 year gap between when he was born and what his father was enduring, it's huge. So his version or his uh, uh, recollection or his idea of, 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 of that revolution is going to be starkly different oftentimes or in contrast. It could be. It very well could be. And there could be someone from this generation that could be like, oh, 
they're on fire for it. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I love it. I love Fidel. I love this, that, and the third. And for a while, I had some, you know, I, I, rev- I would say that I admired Fidel. But I also understood that he was as flawed a human being as everyone else. There were certain things that I saw that I said, okay, if I were in his position, I probably would have done that. But if, you know, but I probably definitely wouldn't have not have done this, that, and the third. Yeah, I have a whole list of things I wouldn't have done in if I was in certain positions. But you know what? I don't have the burden of leadership, do I? Nor do you out there. Everyone can speak about what they would do if they were in certain situations. We can, we can, we can quarterback from an armchair like the best of them, can't we? bunch of armchair quarterbacks, bunch of Monday morning quarterbacks talking about what they would have did that Sunday if they had if they had a 60 second drive to march it down the field or they had five seconds left on the clock. Why did he pass it? Why did he shoot that? Why? Yeah, it sounds great until you're put in that position and, and you're given the keys to the machine. And we'll see what you'll do. You know, it's, it's easy to talk. You know, that's why I'm able to speak the way I speak about certain things because I've lived it. The things I talk about is I lived it. When I speak about how bosses should treat employees, it's because I'm a brick and I was a brick and mortar business owner for some years, and I've I've held a title of founder CEO in many many capacities, and I've had payroll to make and employees. So I've been in a position where I had to put my money where my mouth was, where I had to talk to talk and walk to walk, so to speak. I've been there. So certain things I speak about, I can only speak about from experience. I don't have to speak theoretically or or um, or uh, uh, academically. I can speak experientially about a cer- about certain things because I lived it. So you know, it's important for us to take a moment and just be empathetic, and for a moment think about okay, this person is looking at it from this point of view, instead of me saying and retorting and responding by saying you're wrong. I think the question should be, you know what? What led you to believe that? Why did you gravitate towards that side of the argument and you didn't gravitate towards this side of the argument or this other side of the argument? Out of all the sides and out of all the stances you could have taken and endorsed, why this one? You'll get to know what your family members are about more not because of what they believe, but how they came to believe what they believe. This is what this show is about. It's about getting to the root. We can sit there and pick from the low-hanging fruit that we call the media. We can speak about celebrities and what happened. We could do reaction videos on YouTube and have that avatar with us, you know, holding our faces like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, like, oh my God, such and such said this. We could do that. We could do that. Or we can say, okay, if we are going to speak about current events, let's see how it ties into how things have always been or how we got to this point. How it happened, like I said before in my first couple of episodes, how we can tie in what's going on in 2021 to 1921 or 1621. How we tie all of that together. That's something I'm going to be doing more and more in the next I want to say in the next year, in the next coming episodes after the holidays. I'm a big reader and I'm a big student of history and stories and parables and tales and um, and sight and, and sociologists. So, uh, you know, Max Weber and Carl Jung, very important people in my life personally. Um, um, Emile Durkheim, someone who I find very important in my life, you know, the anime, things like that. Uh, 
St. Thomas Aquinas. There, there, there's certain people that I can use to tie in what's going on now to what happened when these men and, and, and women were speaking. Hannah Arendt. Um, there's a lot of people that I could put into the fold. And we're going to do that to really show everyone that all of this, that when people are sending me links and saying, June, can you believe this is happening? Yeah, 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 I can believe it. It's happened before. It's happened a hundred times before. You want me to show you when? Let, let, so this way we can take the, the OMG, the surprise and the trauma and the shock that this is happening, the unprecedented nature of it out of the way and go, you know what, it's not as unprecedented as we may think. Maybe it's unprecedented for us, but it's not unprecedented globally. It may not have happened to us here, but it's happened over there. It's hap it happened over there last week. It's just happening to us over here this week, or it happened over there 100 years ago. Or it The thing is, I can find an era or an area where most things have happened that we are going through that we consider unprecedented. We are not alone. We are not alone. This is, these things do not happen in a vacuum. They don't happen out of the clear blue sky. They're parts of continuums. And oftentimes they're ripple effects. It happened on one side of the world doesn't mean it can't happen to you on your side of the world. That's something for us to consider with our a la carte outrage when we decide, oh, that person's not speaking about, about that. He's a sellout. Yeah, knock it off. Relax. When was the last time that you decided to risk some fame, family, and fortune for, for a cause you believed in? If the answer is never, then shh, hush. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. You know, there have been times in my life where I've given up a lot of money, where I've, I've, I've spat in the face of power. I've done, literally. <laughs> literally. You know, uh, and, you know, did I suffer for it? I guess. Can I look in the mirror and say I would do it again? 100% yes. This is, the, this is the life I chose. Can't help it. I can't help that. It, but, I, but at the same time, I always examine my motivations. I examine my, my um, predilections. I, I examine them and go, why am I more, why am I, I seem predisposed to go in this direction and not that one. And make sure that it's leading me to my highest truth. That's all you can do. So when you're doing that, you can be secure in almost any environment. And that's why it's important to live this way. Because then when you go into these environments where people are opposed to what you believe in, the certain things that they believe are abhorrent or repugnant to you, you can still sit in that room and go, okay, well, why do you believe that? Yeah? Well, well why? I went to a Tea Party rally. Back in 2009, and it was in Palm Beach, Florida, had the dubious distinction of having a Tea Party rally that had an effigy of Barack Obama in blackface. Now, people would say, well, June, how do you put a black man in blackface? Well, Barack is black, but he ain't Wesley Snipes black. He's not Bernie Mac, rest in peace, black. He's not Don Cheadle black. You know, he's like almost like Derek Jeter black, right? Alicia Keys black. This is different. There's shades of blackness, okay? So, <laughs> so when I say Barack Obama in blackface, I mean I'm, I went because I wanted to see. I'm at this tea party rally, and they got this white woman. She has this black afro. She has a Michelle Obama mask on, 
Um, I'd like to say it was a, I don't think it was a fake AR-15. I think it was real. Why not? You know, hey, I'm all about open carry. All good in my hood. She had the black leather jacket from the Black Panthers. Well, it wasn't a black leather jacket, but it was a peacoat in the peacoat style that the Panthers wore. She had the afro. She had um, the, the Michelle mask, and she had her black fist up. And then next to her was a, 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 a Barack Obama dude with a, uh, like, had makeup like Barack with big red lips, super black paint on his face, and, you know, and um, an afro, and he was hanging. And I was there. Like this, like, oh, okay. Because I wanted to see what this what it what it is <clears throat> that's why i knew donald trump was going to be elected in in the spring of 2016 months and months and months before the election i said if this man gets the if this man gets the the republican nomination he's winning because i i had zero issue going out into other parts of america that were outside of my echo chamber that were outside of my comfort zone so to speak because I was securing my belief system. And like I said, I will remain corrected until I stand corrected. If I stand corrected, I will move with the truth that was introduced to me, the better truth, the higher truth. And so when I saw that, I said, ah, okay. So when everybody is asking me January 6th, June, are you surprised? Can you believe what happened? The riots, January 6th? Oh my God, what's happening? Uh, I remember 2009, they had a, a, an effigy hanging, Palm Beach County. Palm Beach County, people walking around. It wasn't the deep south. It wasn't Mississippi. It wasn't in deep rural Alabama. It wasn't in some swamp grass one-horse town. It was in the 561, Palm Beach County, Florida, one of the richest, wealthiest counties in the United States, dare I say the world. Hmm? Okay. And it was in actually happening in one of the richest zip codes, too. It wasn't in one of the areas where it was respectfully. It wasn't just trail. It wasn't working class or lower middle class. or lower. It, it wasn't even in that neighborhood where this little rally was going on. And guess what? Cops were blocking the street so people can do this. It was in this little tiny, I'm not going to say little tiny town, but it's in a town that was affluent. It was a town that was affluent. And cops were there. So I noticed this whole scene. I did. I knew that it was dangerous for me to be out there. That's the reason why I didn't take any pictures. <clears throat> I didn't want to do that because I thought, hey, I could get shot here. I was there, though. I saw it. I didn't take any pictures. But there, but, but if you guys look online, you would probably find the same sort of scenarios that occurred in other regions in the United States. I didn't bother doing that. Well, I think people were sending me clips around that time, but I didn't bother looking through all of, all of that, um, that trauma porn that people like to go through. I don't do I don't do that. But um what I mean by that, I wasn't 100% offended. This is America. So I, because I don't have any misgivings of the place that I live and human nature on a whole that I have a certain amount of hope and a healthy sense of of what I call pragmatism. So I don't I don't leap I don't take leaps of faith. I take leaps of logic. So because of that, I can understand how 2009 happened. 2009 happened in 1509, 1609. 2009 was happening with, uh, before the Brits came to America. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? 
when the when 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 the Romans and the Greeks were were out there conquering, you know, North Africa. A lot of things, human nature was 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 showing itself. Every day you walk out in the street, you're just seeing human nature at work. You see its inventiveness, its innovations, its beauty, its imagination, and you see its ugly side. You see its violence. You see its contradictions and its hypocrisies. With every paved road, with every street sign, with every street light, with every mini mall drive through, you are watching all of humanity. You're watching everything that we are, our inventiveness, our imagination, our ambition, and our ugly side. We needed all of it to create this world that we live in right now. And so when you go out to your family's house, I want you to walk around with big philosophical ideas in your mind going, you know what? This is what it is. I'd like to know my family better. And if I can know my family better, I get to maybe I'll get to know the world around me better the my world better. Know thyself and the world will become a lot easier to understand. Take a moment. Take that moment and say, why do you think like that? And, 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 and don't ask it from a defensive or 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 or. or or you're looking to indict or cast an aspersion on your on your family member or friend. Give them the space to go, yo, yo, I'm very curious. I want you to say, listen, I'm really curious because I don't have a lot of information based on, I'm not going to say I know why you think the way you think. I may think differently than you, but guess what? I want to know exactly why bullet point. And people want to be heard. People don't want to be shut down and dismissed. People felt there are certain people who felt that they were shut down and dismissed and they let themselves be heard during the 2016 election. And there were so many people, friends of mine in New York, a lot of polite academics who couldn't believe that Donald Trump was going to be our 45th president. And I was saying, you guys weren't listening to me all this time. All of these political scientists that I knew and all of these people that read this and read that. And sometimes I'm at their little I used to be at their little um, their little lunches. And hanging out and, you know, little Skype calls. You know, I used to be in New York or when I was in, 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 in Florida and we'd hang out and, you know, they think they understood the country. And I was telling them, Trump's, Trump has a good chance of winning. And they're just looking at me like, oh, look at June or oh, poor June, treating me like I was the little baby that, that was, you know, using the wrong side of the bottle. I was pouring the baby bottle milk over my head instead of putting it in my mouth like I didn't know any better. I was, be, I, I was treated very condescendingly, truth be told with great condescension during the t during 2016. When I said in April and in May, I said, yo, man, this dude, this dude Donald, this dude Donald could win. June, come on. June, really? June. <laughs> Donald. I was like, yeah, why not? Why not him? Why not him? People don't like Hillary, man. People don't like it. People don't like this one. People don't like that. There are, there's a certain segment of the population that are like, yo, man, you had the black guy in office and you had the woman in there with him and all of that. No, no, no. What about us? There's going to be a certain contingent of what about us? We don't want this. We don't like where things are going. And they're going to they're going to let themselves be heard in big numbers because you're your you're alternative. She's not the alternative that you think she is. And I told everybody that day I would not vote for Hillary. I said, I ain't voting for her. Just know that. I'll vote for Dr. Jill Stein before I vote for her. And I did. I voted for Dr. Jill Stein. Because, not because she was the best candidate. She was the best candidate out of everybody, I thought. That was there. Yeah. That's what I did. So, but you know why the rest, you know why my friends were sitting down in their little, their little uh, ivory towers? with their legs crossed and laughing and tilting their heads back and looking at me with their noses up thinking, oh, poor June. June thinks he knows politics, but he really, you know, 
Yeah, and then the day after the election, these same people are going for counseling, grief counseling at their jobs. Really? Who'd you lose? No one's, no one's dead? No one's sick? Really? You're sick? Huh, okay. You know what? You didn't take a moment to ask people real questions. You didn't take a moment. You dismissed people. You automatically thought people were wrong. You automatically said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. That's wrong. What you're thinking is wrong. I can't believe you think like that. You must be a liberal. Oh, you must be, an, oh, you must be one of those. Oh, you must be a right winger. Oh, you must be Quanon. You must be Antifa. You must be BLM. You must be Tucker Carlson. You must be a this. You must be a Carlsonian or a Mad Dowin. No. Take a second. Stop with the labels. Stop with the names. Oh, you must be an anti-vaxxer. You must be a jabber. You must be a sheep. You must be a this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is democracy at work. If you are unvaxxed and you feel that you are being under attack, yes, you are. If you are jabbed and you feel that other people may, may not be acting in your best interest and blah, 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 you might be right. Guess what? Guess what? This is what democracy looks like, people. So democratize your dinner table. Allow your people to speak. Allow people that you are opposed to, that you disagree with vehemently to speak. Allow them. Give them the space. Let them get all of it out, all of it out without interruption, as if it's a presidential debate. Give them their three and a half to four minutes. Give them a song. What's, what's the average song now? About three minutes long? Give them a whole song to speak. Let them get it all out. And take as many mental notes as you can for your counter. And if they say something you agree with, let them know. Like, you know what? I can understand that part. Let them know. Stop trying to win an argument. And, st and stop feeling as if you're being attacked. Take a moment. I'm saying that to everyone out there. There are certain people that are not going to allow people at their table. Stop that. A, the friend of mine who hasn't seen his, hasn't sat and had Christmas dinner, I think, with his family since Obama's 2008 election. I told him, you need to send your mom these clips of what I'm doing. Because they still speak. It's just nothing was the same. Because he voted for Obama. She didn't. She thought he was the Antichrist. Literally, she said that. She said, how could you vote for the devil? And he was hurt because he considered his mom to be one of the smartest people that he's ever known. And he never got past that. And I told him time and time again, you need to ask her why she said that. You need to ask her why she said that. You need to go in deep into why. You need to go back to her childhood. You need to go back to see how she could come up with that. I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying if you're so offended by it, you need to go back to find out how she got there. And he never did. And I said, you know what, dude? But, you know, I find it wrong that she won't allow him at the First, he didn't want to go back. And secondly, she was like, I don't want you back. She blamed his girlfriend. She blamed, she blamed everybody. I don't know who turned you against America. It got real. And I know a lot of families like that. So like I said, this has been going on for more than a decade. This is not something that's just been going on because of who got voted in 2016 or who got jabbed or who did not. But this is a continuum of something that's been going on and it has to be addressed. It's not being addressed enough because I've been saying it to you people over and over. I've been saying to everybody out there, friends, family, listeners, whoever, all you have is your family and your friends and your community. More and more people are going to be working from home. More and more people are going to be teaching their children from home, homeschooling. What does that mean? There are a lot of teachers that are out of work. There are a lot of nurses that are out of work. There are a lot of people that you need, a community that is out of work. You need to start treating your neighborhood like a village, 
not just some place where you pack, put your stuff in or you go in and you close the door behind you and you don't come out until the next day when it's time to go back to work. You shouldn't know the people at work more than you know your neighbors. And most of us are guilty of knowing our coworkers more than we know our neighbors. The people who could be looking out for us, looking out for our homes, looking out for our children, looking out for us. Those are the people. Because when you leave those jobs, guess what? You're going back to that same neighborhood. And, and 95% of the people that you worked with, dare I say 98% of the people that you worked with, you're not going to be in contact with anymore. You don't even feel comfortable telling them certain things about you because you're afraid it's going to get back to the boss or get back to this, that, and the third. Those aren't your real, that's not your real community. Those are your coworkers. You are brought together by the almighty dollar. That community, like we have a series, where I'm living now is a pretty nice neighborhood, but we have a, um, we've been having an issue with, uh, car theft not car theft but break-ins because people are looking for guns and glove compartments i went through the same thing in palm beach i was living in jupiter very affluent couple of traffic lights from the beach but it didn't stop people from looking to try to break into cars to get guns because we leave our car doors unlocked because we live so close to the beach and it was a pretty nice neighborhood and it's kind of the same thing out here where i live now it's pretty nice very cozy very cool very but guess what guess what i did i has spoken to in the last week or so about these break-ins to over 20 neighbors over 20 neighbors know my name i've only been here for a year 20 neighbors. I bump into people walking their dog. I go, hey, my name is June. How you doing? You heard about what's going on? I want you to be careful out there. Blah, 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 blah. Remember when I said I walk what I talk, talk what I talk, preach what I preach? I practice what I preach. I practice what I post. I live this thing. I want everyone out there to do the same. So I've been out, out there in the world saying, hey, listen, what are we going to do? Do we have to do a little community watch? We know this stuff is happening between midnight and 4 or 5 a.m. Now I'm turning into an old man. I'm going to be one of those guys going, hey, what are you doing over here? Hey, are you are you supposed to be over here? So now I parked my car in a place outside of my apartment where I can see it. I'm going to set up a camera. I have my second amendments strategically placed just in case I may have to employ one in the in, in the in protecting my property. I have no problem saying that publicly. Zero issue. You know, the law is on my side allegedly. So I'm just saying that um this is what you have to do. Your neighbors are important your 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 family your friends this is this is who's going to be there for you so the, these people are thinking differently than you don't be afraid to ask why people above i'm in i'm in a part of the country i've never lived in before i never even visited this place this was fly over america for a new yorker such as myself we fly over these parts to get to vegas or los angeles we fly over these parts to get to chicago we don't we don't stop we don't stop in between. There's no the only time where we, we stop in between is for layovers. We're trying to get on the f next flight to get the heck up out of there. And now I'm living in these areas and I'm meeting people and I'm asking questions to a population that I didn't know before. But I had an idea about because I would ask any time I came across them on the East Coast, I would ask them all the questions I could about their how they thought. I would ask them a ton of questions. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, ladies and gentlemen. We're here to, to learn more about, our, to learn as much about others as we are about ourselves, as we need to learn about ourselves. We will learn a ton about ourselves in the eyes of others and vice versa. So what are you waiting for? What better place to start than at the dinner table? Do not let it be a place of contention. Let it be a place of conversation. 
And yes, so maybe a couple of little uprisings and debates may get heated, but so what? So what? If not with family, then with who? On that note, we're going to stop right there until the next episode. I kind of want to get into that neighbor thing. That's an interesting little thing. I might segue into that the next episode. In any case, definitely, guys, check out the Chavez House Publishing. Go to ChavezHouse.com. Chavez with an S. Go to Chavez House Publishing. Pick up those journals for Christmas. You need an emergency stocking stuffer for yourself or someone else. Go get that. Super important. Like and subscribe on on, on, uh, 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 Apple. Follow on Spotify. And definitely follow me on Whose World Is This? 2021 on Instagram. Talk to you soon.